So I really do love cars. And I really think a big part of that was seeing films when I was young that really focused on cars, whether it was a specific car or the main character's use of cars or just them being an element that was necessary to tell the story. So me coming back to this Criterion collection of uh, 70s car movies, you know, I wanted to look at some of these and understand maybe some of these films that I hadn't seen in the past, but also how they used cars or how they were related to the stories. And I've seen so many films, especially of this era, like the 70s into the 80s, you know, it really kind of died off at some point. Uh, and it did pick up again, let's say, with films and franchises like the Fast and the Furious, or even, uh, you could even say Transformers. As much as those movies were kind of garbage, I mean, they did focus on the vehicles and making them look fast and making them look sexy and making them look tough. So those types of films these days... It's an element that's in there, but there's something about this era that I'm talking about in the 70s and 80s where you could tell the cars that were being used, the stunts that they were doing was just borderline uh, irresponsible, dangerous, and kind of scary. So I talked about that with a couple of films in a previous episode, and I want to pick that up and look at some others. Now, I, I watched The Last Run, which uh, has George C. Scott in it. And it's a different type of film than what I was expecting, really. The log line, the synopsis or whatever, is he's like a retired driver or getaway driver. And he kind of goes on one last job. And he has to escort, uh, I think it's like a, he has to escort this couple across uh, part of Europe, you know, just across the countryside. It's interesting because George C. Scott here, his character is so different than I think what I had always, uh, what I've been familiar with from other films. You know, I could look at something like uh, Dr. Strangelove or Patton or, you know, some of the later films that I'm maybe a little more familiar with from the 80s. But here, uh, this is a very different kind of character. I mean, he's not an action star. He's not even particularly um, motivated. You know, he's an older man. He's retired. And, and even though, look, I did some math on it, and he was 43. George C. Scott himself was 43 when they made this film. But he seems and kind of carries himself in such an older way. The demeanor is so um, like kind of tired and weary. And it's strange, though, to think like at that point in time, this was 1971 when this film came out, like 43 was kind of like washed, you know. And you look at films today, you've got like Keanu Reeves, who's like kicking ass as John Wick and he's into his 50s. You've got Tom Cruise hanging off of buildings and jumping out of airplanes. 
jumping off of mountains and he's going on 60, I think. And so it's interesting the way times have changed and how performers have really pushed themselves. And so here we're looking at a different kind of character, a different era. And this character really lives in that gray area. Like he's not sure of what he's doing is really right. Or he's, he's debating and mulling over a lot of the, the moral decisions that he's faced or things that he has done that might kind of be spiritually catching up to him. And so, um, it's an interesting film. It's very much, uh, it's, it's much more of a drama. It does have some tense and suspenseful sequences in it, especially when he gets in the car, he's got this custom BMW convertible and these winding roads and all this. And it's a very different kind of type of car movie than let's say an American car movie. I mean, it's very clear. This takes place in Europe. Just the type of car, the type of landscape, even the characters. And so it's a little bit of a different pace. You know, it's, not, it's really not what I was expecting. It's not to say it's entirely bad. I just, um, I it, it took a little more of a reach for me to get there and to kind of really feel engaged with the film. So, you know... I, I would say it's an interesting watch. I mean, certainly for George C. Scott, um, that's maybe where I'm more intrigued by it. The car element is is not as prominent as you might think. Uh, so, you know, I could see, well, this was kind of one that Criterion felt like they could lump in with the others. But I don't know. I I think it's maybe more interesting as a character study than an action film. So, um, I don't know. I, I could see maybe watching this at a later point in life and maybe seeing it a little differently right now. It just wasn't what I thought it was going to be. And yet I have to back up though. Um, some of the films in here I've already seen, I already saw Thunderbolt and Lightfoot. I talked about that in a, in an episode a while back. Um, the original gone in 60 seconds. I saw that a long time ago. It might have been around the time the remake came out or the new version, let's say, with Nicolas Cage. And I remember thinking, wow, this is such a dangerous looking film. Like the stunts, the, the just the sustained action in that film is really intense, especially for the time. And a couple of these others I want to hold off on. Superfly, can you believe it? Never seen Superfly. I know the song, I know the music. Never seen Superfly. And I'm not really sure what role cars play in that movie i never really saw it as that i feel like this was one that kind of got lumped in here also but i'm going to save that one. we're going to watch that one later uh, another one here is white lightning with burt reynolds you know th- my familiarity is him as a movie star off of like smoking the bandit and cannonball run and those kinds of movies and so it, it's always been a little bit of like a blind spot of, wait, how did he get that famous to begin with? Like on the backs of what? And now I've seen Deliverance, so I remember that. But a lot of these other movies, White Lightning included, I'm going to lump those together and do those at some point. I want to do a little bit of a Burt Reynolds uh, set. So um, 
So some of these, you know, I'm I'm skipping through. We're we're just kind of going around. One that I did want to watch here was this uh, The Seven Ups from 1973, and that's with Roy Scheider. It's directed by Philip D'Antoni, who, from what I understand, was a producer or part of the filmmaking team with uh, Bullet and The French Connection. And this film, just tonally and, and the atmosphere of it, feels a lot like The French Connection. It takes place in New York in the 70s. It's really gritty. Characters are real, uh, real sketchy. You know, you're never really sure whose side who is on. And, uh, and of course, there is a really wild car chase about an hour into the film. And I say that because I, I mentioned those other movies because Bullet, if you're familiar with that film, which I hope you are, it's a classic, and it really does hang on. The, the, the legacy of that film is that car chase, right? That charger running from that Mustang. That is like a, that's a hallmark of action, uh, stunt work and filmmaking. But also, uh, you know, if you don't know anything about the rest of the movie, you know that there is a serious car chase in that movie. And The French Connection also, well, that, that film, I think, as a whole, holds together much better like the story is more intriguing, at least to me, Gene Hackman really does work in that movie, but it also does have a chase, not necessarily a car chase. Cause remember it's Gene Hackman chasing a train, right? But the way it's shot, the energy of it, the kind of rawness of it, that's what has made that film and that, and that action sequence really kind of stand out over time. And here, I mean, Roy Scheider, he plays a part of a, uh, it's like an investigative unit. They're called the seven ups because when they put someone away, it's for seven or more years, right? Like it's guaranteed. It, they're involved with like the mob and, and organized crime and trying to take down, you know, big targets. But in the middle of this film, there is of course a absolutely bonkers wild car chase. And, it's more than just, you know, in the city streets, which is what I would imagine. It's in New York, so we're going to see a lot of chases down uh, alleys and, you know, surface roads. But no, this film goes out. I mean, it gets out into the highways and it gets into like really, I mean, look, put it this way. The only problem with this car chase is that it's two Pontiacs. It's a Pontiac Granville being chased by Roy Scheider in a Pontiac Ventura Sprint, which I, you know, it's a Chevy Nova, basically. And look, let me tell you, that Chevy Nova, Pontiac Ventura Sprint, whatever, it does not sound like it sounds in that movie. <laughs> that engine sound is from some other car. It's got to be. Also, hey, you know, Pontiac, can we just say it now? Company is long gone. They don't make cars anymore. They're not around. Worst car names ever, right? Like, there's never been a a weirder... I mean, other than maybe, like, the Firebird, you know, that whole line of cars kind of held to the muscle car, pony car uh, spirit. 
But a lot of the other cars that Pontiac came up with over the years, even into what the 90s and 2000s, the Aztec, come on, come on. Not great cars, not great names for their cars. So can't say I really miss it a lot, you know. But here, I mean, the way this stuff is shot, the way this chase is shot, there are moments where you feel like, okay, these cars aren't really doing a lot. And you can tell these are older cars. They're not performance cars. That's the other thing. So they're taking these turns and corners and they're just like fishtailing. And, you know, you can tell they're not professional drivers, the characters, right? So they're wild. They're a little all over the road and stuff. But there are some shots you, you see these cars are booking. I mean, they are flying down the road, especially when it gets out into more open roads like the highway and whatever. I think it's like the New Jersey Turnpike or something. It's just like, these cars are flying and it's just it's crazy. It's at least got that going for it. I mean, other than that, the story itself is somewhat interesting. You know, if you're dealing with this era in the 70s where you, you're looking at either organized crime or you're looking at the police and possibly like corruption all throughout, uh, you know, where the lines are. It's hard to know. It's not hard to know who to trust. And so that's kind of an interesting story in itself, just the element of the mystery of it and the, the kind of thriller aspect. But this car chase, again, this really is the, this is the, um, the thing that this movie hangs on which isn't totally bad, but um, I don't know if the film itself, the characters, the story, if that holds together as much. It, it kind of reminds me more of Bullet than The French Connection. And so all that to say, it's not a bad watch. It was certainly interesting to, to kind of follow the story along and then get to this car chase and realize, whoa, what is going on? Did they just have an idea for a car chase and build a movie around it? Or was it really like we wanted to tell the story and now here's an opportunity to do some crazy shit? Who knows? I appreciate the effort, though, because, man. So it's an interesting look at that kind of action, at least for that time, because you could tell like these cars, you know, today, if you if you have a chase scene or an action scene with cars, you almost kind of see it coming because the cars are so designed for it or chosen for it. You know, oh, John Wick drives a classic muscle car, a Mustang. Huh. I guess he's not just going to be like tooling around town. And it's going to be something's going to happen in this car. You know what I'm saying? Versus, uh, you know, to his credit in this movie, dude's driving a Chevy Nova. And yet, he makes it work. It moves. And so it's an interesting way to kind of flip some expectations in the middle of the story. So you're not really seeing this coming. You know, it, it's certainly better film than something like The Last Run, I guess. Um, I don't know. I, I, I think if you're looking for an interesting car chase, a scene, this has definitely got one. It's up there with something like even To Live and Die in L.A., which uh, it has an interesting story and the characters are pretty well developed and everything, but it really is that car chase that sticks with you. So other than those two, you know, I did watch this other one here, uh, The Last American Hero. That's also from 1973. 
And it's got a young Jeff Bridges in it. And it's interesting because it starts with him uh, driving this just tough sounding Mustang through the countryside, running moonshine. And, uh, you know, he's kind of just flying through backwoods, kicking up dust and doing all that. And, you know, this is 1973. So you have to think, like, if you, if you kind of play it out a little bit, like, it almost feels like this was maybe an inspiration or something related to Dukes of Hazard, right? Because he's a, a kid, he's running moonshine, his father gets arrested, and for, for the operation, right? And so Jeff Bridges, he plays junior, he has to find some ways to make some money. He starts racing, right? He figures, I'm good at driving, I'm going to get into racing, make some money. And of course, but he's, he's a loose cannon. He's just, uh, he, he can't quite get himself under control, especially behind the wheel. But he's good and he wins. And so this film kind of follows his path as he starts from this sort of criminal young life that he has and in very short order, kind of makes himself, it makes way into the racing world, into actual NASCAR racing. And by the end of the film, we're seeing him in a NASCAR race, you know, competing with other racers and just dealing with, you know, even like struggling with the success of it all and the rivals and his team and his family, his brother, played by Gary, a young Gary Busey. It's just strange to see all these actors these performers at such a young age because this film is now 50 years old but it is funny to see that this you know i grew up watching the dukes of hazard on tv right and so it it it's a little bit strange to reconcile like what that show was about and what it represented to some people but didn't represent to everybody you know, I mean, look, the easiest way to get at it, get this point across is look at the top of the car. You know, the General Lee got that big Confederate flag. You know, growing up in the 80s, I didn't necessarily understand a lot of that or what the symbolism was there. I mean, I knew what it, what the flag, where it was from. But as we've seen, like in the last, what, five, ten years here, like people's opinions and and their feelings about what those things mean has really come to a head and has actually changed over time where people don't see a way to be okay with that. Right. So for me, like growing up in that era of watching Dukes of Hazard on TV every week or whatever it was, I mean, you got these, Two white boys, country boys, they live in the South. I think it was like in Georgia, right? And, uh, you know, they just like to drive fast and goof around. And they like to race cars. But they're also kind of on the wrong side of the law. You know, they're running from the cops. They're doing some semi-illegal things. But it's also dealing with this sense of, like, masculinity and what it means to you know, be a, a real principled kind of upstanding person in a, in a, in a, let's say a culture or a part of the world that 
kind of has some corruption, has some seediness to it, you know? So it's, it's dealing with a lot of weird intersecting areas and moralities. And I mean, you could flash forward to today and be like, that show wouldn't get made or it wouldn't get made the same way. And those characters wouldn't be the people that they are. And so when you look at this film now, and then come back to the last American hero, this is a story that I feel like lives in that same territory where you've got this young kid who he's just trying to do what he thinks is the right thing and take care of his family, but he can't quite bring himself to do it the right way, you know, like go legit. Like even though he's racing and he's good at it, he he still got like a chip on his shoulder. He's still got beef with whatever authority, the powers that be. And so it's interesting to see him try to reconcile that with just being good at what he does versus not breaking everybody else's rules. And so I, I could see why that's called The Last American Hero, the, the, the film itself. You know, it's funny, several years ago now, I did a podcast with some friends, an episode uh, talking about Vanishing Point. And I called that episode about Vanishing Point, The Last American Hero. Because to me, that's what that film represented. And, you know, if I kind of step back, it's not too far off, right? We're pretty much still on target here. We've got a man who is uh, intent on doing things his way, regardless of rules, regardless of whatever society thinks. And yet, those forces are still there and they're still going to play a part in how he reaches his goals or if he even does reach his goals. Right. So I get the vibe. I get the idea with this type of story. Uh, this one's just very different because it does play it a little more. I don't know. It feels a little more like TV movie than something like vanishing point. Vanishing point feels really raw and kind of experimental in the way it tells its story here we get a little more of like this could have been a season of a tv show and i honestly that's why i say i feel like this could have been the inspiration for the dukes of hazard because it kind of feels like a part of this film is in that film in that tv series that one of course just never never went anywhere it just kind of and it just perpetually kept going through the same cycle every episode right so i don't know i mean this was an interesting one it's not really the great i don't think it's the strongest of these i think the seven ups is probably the better film of these three let's say but this was an interesting one to watch and just to kind of get a little more context on this era and then what racing meant and how it was perceived like even among popular culture at the time so all in all, I mean, these films at least take some different approaches to how cars are related and how cars are used. And of course, The Last American Hero, because it's all about racing, we do get a lot more intimate with the cars. We see them working on cars and customizing the cars. And, you know, especially when we get into the race, we get a much deeper look into that world. Uh, in the 7-Ups, there's really none of that. The cars are not even acknowledged. But... This is at least a way to look at some different types of films that have cars or car chases or car action in the mix. So 
from here, I probably go next to see something like Fast X or Fast 10 or whatever we're calling it, because that's like fast forward to today and see what, uh, see how much things have changed. And is it necessarily for the better? It's hard to say, right? So I don't know. We'll see. I'm going to go get in my car, take a spin, and we'll catch you later. Go watch something new. Thank you.